To infinity, to infinity, to infinity, to infinity. What's this? Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 47. You should recognize that music if you've been around animation and podcasts for any number of years. Uh, that is the music from the animation podcast with Clay Cadis. And that should give you a hint of uh, who our guest will be tonight. <laughs> we, yes, we do. We have Clay Cadis, the director of Angry Birds and longtime uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios animator. Um, if you go to Clay's IMDb, he worked on Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Milan, Tarzan, Fantasia 2000, The Emperor's New Groove, Treasure Planet, Home on the Range, Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, Bolt, Tangled, Wreck-It Ralph, and Frozen, just to name the feature films. <laughs> he worked on many of the uh, shorts as well. Um, so it is a great, great privilege to have him on this podcast. I've been a longtime fan of his um, podcast back in the day when he was doing those. And so it's just great to be able to take uh, some of his time, uh, he's a busy guy, to uh, sit down and get him on the other side of the seat and talk with him and pick his brain a little bit. Um, so I really do appreciate him taking the time here. We had a little bit of technical difficulty on uh, the recording, so I do apologize for the quality of the podcast. Um, mine, Mike, for whatever reason, did not come in that great, but uh, fortunately, Clay's did, and um, that's who you're here to listen to anyway. So uh, without further ado, let's bring him on. Um, again, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's always neat to get you guys in here and just uh, the wealth of information that you've been in the industry for quite some time. And uh, as you mentioned in uh, our pre-interview, uh, yeah, way back with Jason Ryan and Fantasia 2000 and even the early CG stuff there at Disney. So Yeah, totally, totally. So if you can get in maybe to just how you got into the industry, I kind of read a little bit about your bio, but um, sure. how you what you thought in, to get into animation or what kind of sparked that for you. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to talk with you and all your listeners and I love podcasts and the stuff you guys do. So uh, it's just awesome. So yeah, um, I think I was mentioning before uh, that you know, I've been asked a lot about my career and how I got into it. And, and I think I should have been a smarter kid because all my hobbies really pointed towards doing animation. I just didn't realize it until I was in college and uh, you know, I, I grew up on Disney films. We always had the videos, the VHS tapes of all the classic <laughs> Disney films. Um, uh, my sister worked at Disneyland before I did. And when I was 16, I got a job there and I sold churros and so there's always this like Disney connection. And when I was a kid, I really was into like special effects, ILM, was, like, uh -huh. my dream. And, uh, and makeup effects were like, you know, when I was really young, I was like, that's, I'm going to be a makeup artist. I was going to, I was going to do monsters. And that was my goal. Very cool. And I just, I just never got into it though. I, I was a big fan of it. I read, I got Cinefix, I read Starlog, you know, all those old magazines. <laughs> I thought you had to do it. And I just never did it. I learned all about it though, you know? And, uh, then I went to college and, and in high school too, I, I did student government. I did, you know, t-shirts for clubs. I did float designs for, you know, parades and things like that in high school. And so it was always creative stuff, but I'd never really put it together that I would end up doing animation. Mm -hmm. It's just a strange thing. And I loved movies too. I, I 
my dad was a fireman and in the city of Orange and Orange County, like firemen got free tickets to the movies. <laughs> so every weekend we would go to the movies. We would That's see cool. Every, we saw every movie when I was a kid. It was a big thing in my family. And so I grew up watching movies and, and I should have just like added all this up and just gone straight to Disney, but I didn't realize that's what I wanted to do. So I went to USC for uh, like two and a half years. I started as a, a biological sciences major. I was going to be a doctor. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Gates. <laughs> and uh, after about, you know, a semester of that, I was like, this is crazy. And I, I took a chemistry class and I, I had no idea what they were talking about. And so I was like, maybe I'll be a business major. So I switched to that. And then I took one or two drawing classes while I was there. Um, but I, I, I was just like really confused. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't, I never thought I would work in film. I never thought I would work in animation. I just was lost. And then, um, I found this animation class at a high school. I was at college, but there was this high school that had this night course. And uh, this woman that knew my mom was like, hey, maybe Clay would like this. And so I went to this class, and it was like the coolest thing. It was Dave Master. Many of you guys may have heard of him. He's uh, probably retired now, but he was at Warner Brothers for a little while in the recruiting de department. And um, a lot of students uh, went there, like Sean Jimenez. He's a designer on... Uh, Gravity Falls, I think. Okay. Um, Bert Klein, he's an animator at Disney now. His wife, Jennifer Klein, she went to the class. Um, Mike Belzer, who was head of animation on um, Meet the Robinsons. Very cool. He was a stop motion guy in the class. So a bunch of kids went, uh, John Aoshima or John Kubo, you might know him as. Um, a lot of kids went through that class. And uh, it was just this cool thing where I showed up. There were 120 students there every night. Like wow. Five o'clock at night. And uh, I did a bouncing ball on paper. And I was like, this is awesome. It's, it's so weird. I, I just I kind of stumbled into this thing. And I was like, I could do this forever. And you do that first bouncing ball and it's like, it's like you've done magic. And it's alive. That's right. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, the ball is, it's hard, but you know, it's, it's, it's a good gateway. You know? Oh, for sure. And it gets you kind of hooked. And um, I had gone to the class intending to be a computer animator because I didn't know how to draw. I mean, I, like I said, I took one drawing class in, in school, but I, I wasn't, I hadn't like set my life and career up to like become a 2D animator. And, uh, and at the class there, they showed us like, this is a portfolio. These are gesture drawings. This is animal drawings from the zoo. These are figure drawings. And I was, I'd never, you know, done that stuff. And so the good thing is like they, they laid it out. They're like, these are the things you need to do to get a job in the industry, at least entry level. And, you know, I, I guess people are like, oh, you must be talented. And I think I was just smart enough to like look at that on paper and be like, well, I could replicate that portfolio or at least try, you know. Uh -huh. And so I just I went to every drawing class I could find. I went I snuck into art center uh, workshops. I went to these church basement drawing classes. I <laughs> at the time of CIFA held drawing classes and I, I did that with Dave Brain. Um, everywhere I could go, I, I went to drawing and I basically dropped out of school. I dropped out of USC. Um, I failed all my classes that semester. <laughs> so it was really like this thing where I had to succeed. I, I was, I was in many ways cutting myself off from any other options. Uh -huh. It was, cra it's crazy when I think about it. And I was 20 at the time. And so I was really starting my education and my career and my art training at the age of 20. Okay. Did you feel like you took to, uh, drawing Pretty well. You said no. that. You, okay. You said you didn't <laughs> do a whole lot of that stuff. It's such a struggle. I mean, drawing is hard. And I think because I started so late in life, like a lot of these, you know, like look at Eric Goldberg. He's doing flip books at the age of seven, you know, and he's, he's a master. And like all these guys, when I eventually got to Disney, it was like so intimidating and so 
kind of uh, soul crushing because it, it was inspiring, you know, but I just, I, I compared myself to those guys for so long. And it was like kind of really devastating, like, like artistically and personally to be like, I want to be like these guys, but I'm this guy. And, you know, I, I, I did enough to, you know, obviously I got an internship um, through the class. It was this great connection with Disney. And I got an internship at Disney and I uh, got into, you know, being a cleanup in-betweener on Hunchback. And Very cool. I became a breakdown. Then I moved into rough in-betweening and eventually became an assistant animator and an animator in 2D. And so I, I kind of crawled my way, you know, to, to be there for, for a while. And that whole, those five jobs I just described, that took me, 12 years okay i was a slow slow learner you know okay. but i was tenacious and i held on and i and i didn't get fired thankfully and I, was, I was very close many times just not because i was a bad guy but because like they do these like we called them the shame sheets where it would be like the footage and mark hen was always at the top and then it goes down and it's like, it's like at the bottom you know and, and the productions look at that and they're like well is, is this guy worth keeping around and, right and i had heard i'm just rambling on stop me if you need to it's I love but it. I had heard at one point that um, Ron and John, they saw me on the list of like, he's out of here. And they were like, uh, there may be something about this guy. So I, I don't awesome. know if that's true. I had heard that. And so if it's true, thank you, Ron and John, for saving my career. But, um, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I had animated on uh, Treasure Planet. That was, uh, I guess, my, my first animation was on um, Fantasia 2000. I okay. A couple of shots in the Rhapsody and Blue sequence. And then. Um, I rolled straight into Emperor's New Groove. I worked with um, Doug Frankel on uh, Chicha, who was the wife of Pacha, and then I worked with Bruce Smith on Pacha. And then uh, on Treasure Planet, I worked with Ken Duncan on Scroop, the spider guy. What an introduction. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where Ron and John knew my work. And I think they were just like, well, this guy's got potential. He's just not there yet. You know? Gotcha. So that's, out of that's, that's an interesting um, ability, I think, to, to have that kind of an eye to catch that. Yeah, for them to, to yeah. see. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just taking a chance, I guess. And see, that's, I think that's a really important thing. And it's, you know, I've heard Ed Catmull talk about this. And it's really critical to kind of look at a person and understand their trajectory. It's yeah. like they're, on, they're on a point in time, but that's not the end of it. And are they going up or are they going down? And even like when I was working at Disney and we, you know, we're reviewing people, it was always about the uptick or the downtick. And, uh, and that's, that's really critical, you know, and sometimes yeah. it's like, you, you know, that some person is just on the downswing and they're going to bring it back up. Other times it's like, well, they're down and they're down last time and they're down the time before that. So they're, they're plummeting, you know, and gotcha. how, do, how do we pull them up and how do we help them? So seeing people's trajectory is really important. And mm. um, thankfully I, I guess they saw something. In yeah. Me. That's awesome. So, so I stayed on and eventually, um, my dream of being a computer animator started to happen. I, you know, at the time, what was it was 96, 97, um, Toy Story was coming out and uh, they showed the first act. Actually, maybe not even the first act. It was, it was the whole toy soldiers, the Green Army men, you know, scoping out the birthday party sequence. And it was just storyboards and it was awesome. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to crush everybody. <laughs> CG is going to take over the world. And I really, I told myself and some friends, I'm like, I got to learn this. This is the future. Okay. That was my, one of the questions I had. Did you take well to CG? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think it was because you struggled with learning um, 2D later in life? Partly. Uh, It's also because like I was always a big computer nerd. My parents bought me a 
Apple IIe when I was in fourth grade and all the teachers were like, what are you guys doing? This is crazy. Like, <laughs> who does this? And it, was, it was really when computers were brand new. Uh-huh. And so I was really facile with a computer from an early age okay. and, and using him. It's funny, using a mouse and, and like I did t-shirts in high school with, with Adobe Illustrator. And so I was very kind of comfortable knowing hotkeys and it's just it's weird at that time it was new yeah yeah not many people knew computers that well and so i was just really comfortable that's awesome sit down read the maya manual go through all the tutorials and like just get it Mm -hmm. so the technical thing is a huge hurdle um you know at that time like when chicken little was starting um you know, we, we brought all the 2D animators and some people just didn't really take to it because it was, there, there was the first technical hurdle of using a computer and then right. translating your, your animation mind into a computer. And um, I was just lucky. I, I, um, the computer was easy for me. The animation was always hard, but I was kind of at this point where I was just kind of getting animation in 2D and then I stepped over to CG where it was like the whole drawing aspect of it was taken away. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can run, I can fly. <laughs> so I wasn't a fantastic animator from the start of doing CG, but I, 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 my learning accelerated really fast. That's fantastic. Very and, cool. And I just got it, you know. So I worked on Chicken Little, and I think um, Amy Butler recommended me to be a supervisor on, at the time, it was American Dog, <laughs> Bolt. And so, you know, one, one CG feature in, after struggling for so many years in 2D, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I can finally like actually just focus on performance and animation and actually try to become a good animator. I don't think I was even good at that time, but you know, just learning got a lot easier. Was there any guys? That's 12 years into my career for maybe 15, 13, 15 years in. So it, it took forever, mm. but I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually a great, uh, you know, I saw a meme for uh, Pokemon go and it said some, it was from the CEO and it said, it's taking us 20 years to make an overnight success. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it, for me, it just helps put things in perspective that we want instant this or instant that. And yeah. it takes grinding. It takes. Yeah. And I've met a lot of students and kids and they always want to be in a different place. And I get it. You know, you always want to improve and get better and reach for something higher. But at some point you really need to accept like you're where you're at because of what you've done and who you are. And it's okay. You right. know, as long as you're not stagnant and getting worse and crusty and, learning and growing uh, you got to be happy with that you know yeah, yeah it's good to be ambitious but you know i could talk for a whole hour just about like comparing yourself to other artists and, and feeling down I, I went through that for years it's uh-huh. weird and and i kind of after a while learned it's like it's okay to be who you are and as long as you're doing your best it's like it's weird. It's like a, it's like a poster on the wall, but it really, it really helps. <laughs> I, and it helps coming from you guys like you have been in it for a while because particularly for students who are still kind of working through it, you don't see that light at the end of the tunnel or you don't look yeah. back. It's hard for you to look back and hearing it from you. You're like, wow, they struggled with that, huh? And yeah. Or it's like, you know, you want to be Glenn Keane. It's like, no one's Glenn Keane. Glenn Keane is Glenn Keane and no one's going to be him. Right. And you can strive to emulate him and be as good as him. But at some point you have to kind of be yourself and, uh, I think that's the strongest animator to be. That's why you have the James Baxter and the Glenn Keane. And I'm talking about all these 2D guys, but like, that's where my mind was. I'm like, right. I gotta be as good as these guys. And it's like, uh, one, that's impossible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, just focus on yourself. You know, it's not a race. It's not a competition. As long as you're doing work that makes you happy and you can keep a job that you like, that's important too. That's great. Um, that's all that matters, you know? Very cool. Was there any guys that you that were there that you kind of gravitated to and really kind of learned from? Um, 
there's kind of like two phases in my career. One's the 2D stuff, obviously, and then the CG. Um, in 2D, Ken Duncan was always kind of a mentor to me. Okay, he always got along really well. He, you know, Duncan Studios is yeah. his thing, and um, we just got along. And he's a he's a kind of <laughs> he'll he'll smile at this. He's a cranky guy, but. <laughs> Either you get him or you don't, and I really just got him. We got along swimmingly, I could say. And uh, he just he really helped me. He really supported me, and I still, you know, when I'm doing reviews and animation and uh, thinking of things that he taught me, you know, he just really took his time and, and told me the things that people told him, and it was a great mentorship. You know, Very cool. also, When I was a trainee in animation, Doug Frankel, again, taught me a lot of stuff. And then in CG, you know, Nick Ranieri was on Chicken Little, and he just really taught me a lot of the way he looks at animation you know um it's weird how so much of like who i am as an animator comes from my early career especially cleanup i think i learned 70 percent of animation from brian clift who was the cleanup lead on clopan on hunchback you know he just he really cared and wanted to impart the stuff that was important when you're doing good cleanup and it was all the basics of animation. I just didn't know it at the time. You know? Did you feel like in that environment that people were willing to share information and everybody just wanted to grow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I've never seen an environment where that wasn't. So, I'm, you know, granted, I did work at Disney for 19 years, and yeah. that's all I know. You know, and I, don't, I don't know how different things are, but, you know, going out of Disney to direct Angry Birds, it was, uh, it was great. It was, it was refreshing and different but it was all the same animators are the same all over the world mm-hmm. they, they just all want to do great work they want to entertain and see their stuff on the screen and make people laugh they're all the same yeah yeah so it, it wasn't like oh i have to learn how to talk to these guys it's like no they're the same blood you know <laughs> now let's go a little bit more into your uh, cg era yeah. there at disney um that was a big, I'm assuming, transition for Disney as well, because it, there seemed that they were kind of learning and, and growing even in that uh, portion of time. There's, yeah. there's a bit of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess just growth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And but, it, it was interesting because, you know, I mean, CG was growing, you know, studios had, I would say, a good head start on us. You know, DreamWorks had done Ants already and working on their, you know, maybe third movie by the time Chicken Little came out. And obviously Pixar was going wild. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Blue Sky was making films. So Disney got into the game kind of late. And uh, you could see the learning curve. I mean, Chicken Little was pretty rough. And like Meet the Robinsons was next. And it's like, you know, you look back at that and you're like, ooh, <laughs> not the prettiest, but it's, it was like one of those things where it was for me and, and other people it was frustrating that, you know, the 2d stuff could look so amazing and, and so kind of crafted and beautiful and, and controlled and the CG stuff didn't have that. And it was always like, how do we do this? How do we, how do we make it feel like a Disney movie? You know? And I think for me, you know, Bolt was a great step forward. Yes. The appeal and, and understanding angles and things like that. And then uh, Tangled was like, I was like, we did it. We That's, finally made yeah. it. <laughs> you know? so, was there any, um, I can imagine as a new, or if there was a new studio, maybe saying having worked on Chicken Little or uh, even Meet the Robinsons, there would have been less of a um, standard, I guess versus Disney actually doing that. You have right. all this history of beautiful animation. Was that, did that weigh heavy on you guys or was it just, Hey, we got to learn this here? Or yeah. Was that, was that kind of comparison? I think it did. Um, 
And even like when they decided to do Meet the Robinsons, I was like, that's crazy. Why would you do a movie full of humans when you can't even, you know, <laughs> do chickens? You know, so uh, it was, but I, you know, it's one of those things where you, I think the studio was like, we can take on this challenge. It may not be, you know, perfect, but it's like, it's, it's better than t- playing it easy. You know? Right. Okay. Playing it safe. And so, you know, I think it was probably a good thing in the end, but it was, I, th- I thought it was premature at the time to like, really like, Hey, we're going to make a movie full of 50 different humans. It's like, <laughs> that's a, that's a tall order, you know, it's, it's hard stuff. And, and I felt like we needed to build up to it, but uh, you know, it, it's all, you know, it's all said and done. So it's, you can't take it back. And right, right. I think it's like, you got to accept it and own it and like it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, there is definitely, that's why I guess I bring up that question. Cause there was definitely stuff to like about it, but I just wonder how yeah. sometimes if there's a stigma because it's Disney that you kind of, there's something to compare it to versus if it was just a brand new studio doing that kind of, uh, that work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think, know. you know, you, at least I do, I, I kind of have to look through, look at all films through the same kind of filter of like, is it, good and entertaining and appealing you know i I don't really care who does it but it's like it's got to be good right (laughs) (laughs) okay so now we moved to bolt we moved to tangle now tangle was like you said that kind of a we did it moment there yeah yeah um what were some of the things that you learned during that process for that movie uh well early on on that show uh, i remember glenn was on vacation and john cars was on vacation those are the two other heads of animation on that show and there's this like you know uh monthly get together and, and heads of departments talk about what they're working on and and i i just made a decision to go in front of the studio and say this is going to be the best human animation in cg that's ever been done and i said it <laughs> and people were kind of like stunned like whoa this is like you know throwing down the gauntlet but um the thing I learned from that is kind of like, if you call out, like it's like Babe Ruth pointing at the fences, you know, uh-huh. I, we're going to do this and people like align themselves to that vision. <laughs> Even if you're kind of full of crap, <laughs> but I wasn't, I mean, we really were like this, we're going to do this. We're going to do everything we can to make this happen. What made you so confident? And because it's funny, because I was talking with my brother here recently, yeah. who's an animator as well. And that is still for him. That one's, that's what he would say right now. That's probably his favorite one, even from Disney still where he's looking at the humans and goes, it's just fantastic. So, I mean, here you did, you called it out. And by many critics, that would be an accurate statement. Even now, what was it that made you so confident at that time? Well, you know, when you have Glenn Keane in your pocket, (laughs) (laughs) that that helps. But I think that was a big part of it. You know, I've met artists that can draw and, and, or animate amazingly but they don't know how to explain it. They're, they're, they're almost like savant ish mm. where they just, they just do it and it's natural and they just, it just comes out of them and they can't explain how they uh-huh. do it. And then you have an artist like Glenn who can point and explain what he's doing. And a lot of it was, um, you know, me and John kind of probing him and prodding him and, and really getting into his head of like, you know, we would point at lines on his drawings and say, why did you do that thing? And he's like, well, that's energy, you know, and, and why is that, why, why do you have that hook in that thing? Well, that's like the muscle tension. It's like, okay, so now we're understanding like why he draws what he draws and he can actually verbalize and, and articulate what he's thinking as he's drawing. And, and then you can take those ideas of a, a 2D image and, and start to put those into the model and into the rigs. And um, it, it was just having him as a tool to kind of like pull all this information from it. And then, find a way to translate that into a, you know, the models and the rigs and the animation that actually works. Okay. Cause that was my next question here. It, when you're, when he's drawing that, he's drawing 
those curves and lines of purpose in that. Whereas in CG, we're not doing that. So how did you translate that? What was it that, that made you translate it to X for CG? Yeah. I mean, he was invaluable, you know, um, he just drew over everything. Okay. So a lot of it was like him just looking at an image and saying, well, it just, it should look like this. And some of it was just like adjusting contours of like puffing a cheek out to give it like a nice three, three quarter view. Okay. Okay. Um, other stuff was just, you know, like why would you wouldn't draw it that way and you would draw it this way. And, and the animators, would, you know, luckily it wasn't like crazy tweaks on the, on the rigs. It was just like, you know, put the wrist here and put that little bender there. Okay. Um, just adjusting things to feel a little bit more um, organic and, and the way you would draw it basically. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, it, I mentioned this to a few people sometimes, but like Glenn will draw something and, and it's like, it's very interesting to watch him draw and it, there's videos online of him talking about it and stuff, but he'll, he'll look at something and say that the hand wants to be here. And it's like, from that, I, I got that he's got this relationship with the image he's creating, you know, and it's, it's like talking back to him. He, it's not just like him just like projecting onto the page. It's this drawing is like telling him what it wants to be. And say, but the back wants to do this. And, and it's, it's this weird way of looking at it, but I, I've since shifted the way I think about stuff. You know, oh, that's so cool. You don't, I always, it's like when I tried to surf, I was trying to push the board around and make it do what I wanted. It. And I never realized it's like, no, no, you, you, the board wants to do its thing. And you want to go along for the ride. And you are these two things working together. And that's how he was with his drawings. And that's awesome. Is. And, and it's a good way to think about it. Like, what does this thing want to do? And am I forcing it to do something that's unnatural? It's weird. And it, and it applies to, to CG animation uh -huh. and drawing and figure drawing and all these things. But like, what is this drawing trying to say? You know, how would you say that you um, develop that eye then from your standpoint with the experience you have now, how would you say an artist, an animator should, what should they do to develop that eye? Yeah, it's man. <laughs> like I, I guess I have the benefit of like my slow ascent, you know, <laughs> tangled. I don't know how many years it was in, like fifteen years of doing this, but it's like repetition and studying. And um, I found for me uh, a good way to kind of analyze animation and learn from animation is um, I would I would just find scenes that I liked. I would watch a movie, two D or three D or whatever live action and just like, Oh, I like that scene. There's something about that scene. I liked and okay. I wouldn't be like, Oh, I'm looking for this or that. I would just watch a movie and be like, that was a cool scene. And then I'd, all right, stop, let's grab it. Let's go back, make a quick time of it and then start breaking it down. Like, what is it? What, what is the spark and the magic? And then you okay. start to find these things, you know, and it's, it could be like, I was just looking at like, you know, at the time, 101 Dalmatians of Roger walking down the stairs, writing the music and he stops and puts the paper on the wall and writes the notes on the wall. You know, he holds the paper against the wall and writes on it. And it's just like, Oh, this character is using the environment. Mm. And especially in a, a 2d film where there's not even a real environment, it's an image, you know, but it's like this character's living in that space. Okay. And I would just be like, that's a cool concept. This character lives in the world and they, they touch the wall and the banister and the, you know, they pick up the glass on the table. It's like, it's real to them. They, they, they look around and they see things. And mm. that was just like, okay, that's a good level <laughs> above like character walks down the stairs. Mm. You know? And so it's just like, breaking down every scene that is interesting to you. And it might just be movement and like, well, look, freeze framing through it and look at the squash and the anticipation. And, and that's a cool shape. And that registered in my mind is like, that was a beautiful visual, but when it plays, you don't see it, but you feel it, you know, okay. it was just like going back over things over and over. And then you start 
breaking it down into like, you know, eye direction and squash and stretch and the principles of animation. Um, but it can be so much more of just like, you know, these animators allow themselves to make goofy faces and that's entertaining and fun. And so um, it was, you know, years of doing that, you know, and also reading and studying and learning from all these guys. And, and Glenn obviously was a huge influence. Of, yeah. Just like talking about like, this is appealing and, and, lectures and talk it's it's i can't pinpoint what it is but gotcha. it's like it's so focused and also like i said when i was a kid we went to tons of movies when i started at disney like i saw every movie i went to the theater every week and i saw the worst movies and the best movies <laughs> and it's just like understanding there's a there's a whole language of film and and building that um vocabulary and uh, and kind of reference of like whatever movie it was. It's like, did you see that scene? And, and, and being able to point at something and say, that's, that's what I'm looking for. You know, it's like building that reference. And also at the same time, I read every handout I could get from animation, you know, every lecture that was transcribed, everything, you know, it's just like just soaking in it. After a while, it just starts to sink in. Very cool. Becoming part of your DNA, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's being, I think being obsessive is really important. It really is. It's like, if you want to be a pro, if you want to be good at this thing, you have to be crazy. You have to, you have to be a fanatic. And I really respect fanatics. I, I used to think like, what are these, you know, these people are crazy, but it's like, no, looking back and it's like, you gotta, you gotta go all in. Look at like, look at like someone like Quentin Tarantino. He knows more than anyone about movies, you know? And, uh, it's, it's because that's what he does. That's what he lives for. And if, if you're going to be an animator, you might as well, you might yeah. as well go for it. <laughs> okay. So from uh, tangled there, what was the next one that you worked on from that? Well, it's funny cause I finished tangled and we did a tangled short and then I was supposed to be head of animation on a film called King of the elves. Okay. It was a fantasy movie that Disney was developing. And uh, I forget at the time, I don't know if, um, Oh, who was it? He's in Florida. He teaches drawing. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Sorry. Oh, it's Aaron Blaze. Uh, Aaron oh, Blaze yes. and Bob Walker were directing this film. And eventually it went into the hands of Chris Williams. And that's, I think, when I came on. I was going to be head of animation on that. And uh, maybe a year into it, I think Chris Williams decided, like, he's this wasn't the movie he wanted to make. And he kind of stepped back from it. And the movie kind of dissolved in our fingers and mm. so i was i was without a show and um which was i think really great for me because at the time wreck it ralph was being made and i just went on to that show and i just animated and oh, that's cool it was great <laughs> I, I hadn't sat and animated for a long time you know I, I did things here and there on tangled but you know not like you know a chunk of scenes or anything like that so I, I got to do a bunch of stuff in Ralph. I did a bunch of 2D, you know, 8-bit uh, uh, video game animation. That's so cool. Eventually, um, I worked on the end credits with uh, Malcolm Pierce and Zach Parrish and Nathan Englehart. Mm. Um, we, we did those end credits, which were great. We just kind of broke them up and handed them all out to animators. who just, were just like, just figure out how to make it. You know? uh, and then uh, I went on to Frozen. Again, I just animated. Okay. Because you know these movies take a while, and a new one coming along to be head of animation on is not that frequent. So um, it was great, though. I was really happy. And I think I was just talking to Nathan Englehart yesterday. I saw him yesterday, and um, I think it's really important for supervisors to kind of step back down and join the ranks and just do the work. Mm -hmm. One, it just keeps you fresh. Yeah, you will understand the tools that people are suffering with. 
you know, the, 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 the new Time hires, you know, like, what the hell is this? You know? <laughs> like, oh yeah, that is really wacky. So we should fix that. Um, and also you know, I, at the time I hadn't really animated animated for probably two, three years. Cause I was supervising on Tangled and, and there's all these new guys that never saw me animate. And, you know, I'm like this boss in quotes, giving them <laughs> notes and giving them advice. And they're probably like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> so, you know, you get on the box and you do some scenes and they're like, Oh, okay. This is what he's talking about. Yeah. 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 So I think it's really good for all those reasons. And then, you know, hopefully you move back up and you do the supervising. But I think it's a nice thing to cycle through and allow and the fourth thing is it allows other people to step up and try the role and see if they like it and see if they're good at it. And if they don't, then they can kind of ease back into the, the ranks. <laughs> I think it's, it's a really healthy thing. Uh, um, in your night, I mean, 19 years, that's a significant ch- chunk amount of time. I'm yeah. trying to get a significant amount of time, um, particularly at such a high level of a studio. What was it that, what are some of the things that you learned throughout that time? I remember, I don't know if it was a tweet that you had done or something back at that time when you first mentioned you left and two decades, it was just, you, yeah. you know, talking about the bittersweetness of that. Oh yeah, it totally was. You know, I get asked all the time, do you miss Disney? It's like, well, of course I miss Disney. Disney's <laughs> awesome. You know, it's, it's an awesome studio and an awesome place. And it was my home and I had really intended to kind of retire there, you know? Um, but, uh, what did I learn? I mean, I learned everything. I learned uh, everything. <laughs> I, learned information, I learned management. I learned recruiting, how to hire good people, um, storytelling. I mean, it's everything, you know, gotcha. uh, it, it, it set me up to be able to go leave Disney and direct a movie. Mm-hmm. And, how did that come about? Just out of curiosity, if you, yeah. it, like you said, this was such a, a great place. What was it that then made you feel like, an opportunity to go lead. Yeah. yeah it's interesting because I probably keep saying it's interesting. Um, but I, doing head of animation on a show, you, you end up working with a lot of departments. Like as an animator, you get your scenes and you do that. And sometimes you might go to layout and talk about the camera. Or you might go to effects and say, hey, what are you going to do here? But that's it as an animator. And then, uh, well, you work with rigging as well. But then you become head of animation and you have to deal with layout, you deal with lighting, you deal with editorial, you, you deal with all these departments. And then as I did that, and you're actually influencing the movie, you're like, what if we put the camera here? That might help the shot or the, the lighting should be like this or you're finaling the shots in, in tech anim and they're doing the cloth and you're like, well, this, you know, I found that I really liked all that stuff. Mm. I liked everything, you know, and I was like, wow, this is like like filmmaking. This is, <laughs> this is more than animating. And, and I just, I started to shift my mind to think like, well, maybe one day I could direct something. Gotcha. And and it was just from having more experience and more influence for the film. It's like I like this. And it's not like a power thing. It's just like it's fun to do cameras. It's fun to do lighting mm-hmm. um, and storyboarding and all of it. And so um, I really, at the end of Tangled, was like I, I, I somehow I want to move into this. And I actually went to the studio. I remember I talked to Andrew Milstein, and I was like, I want to direct one day. I, I don't know when. I always laugh because I, I don't know when, I don't know how. I'm like the little, the little Mermaid, um, but uh, yeah, I was like, I, I just, I feel like this is where I want to go, and so hopefully the studio can support me. And they did. They were like, yeah, we'll we'll get you some, you know, just kind of set you up. You can do some, you know, board some shorts and you know, pitch those. Nothing's guaranteed. You got to develop right, right. yourselves. But they're, we're going to give you time and space to to work on that. So, like the last, I don't know, five months that I was at Disney, that's what I was doing. I was 
boarding some shorts and I was going to pitch them and just I um, Paul Briggs and uh, Mark Kennedy were mentoring me in storyboarding because I'd never officially done storyboards before and um, so that's kind of where I was heading until you know another show came along I was going to be head of animation on but it's like I just wanted to spread out a little bit mm. and uh, and then um, actually at one point I had a month off and um, <laughs> I was going to rest <laughs> and, and a friend of mine called me they're like I hear you have time off do you want to go work on some commercials and I was like oh man <laughs> I want to rest I want to sleep I think it was after Tangled I was exhausted <laughs> But um, I I heard like, that yeah. was a pretty big or a short production and the amount of animation. Yeah. 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 It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go do these commercials. And it happened to be um, at illumination. They had just done hop that Easter bunny movie. Okay, yeah. And I met John Cohen who produced that movie and they were just doing like, there was a Burger King commercial. There was a Kodak commercial, um, a Comcast commercial. And we, we went to like a house and filmed a couch and then, I directed the characters on the couch, you know, <laughs> and in a month it was really quick and we jammed through this work and it was exciting and fun and just different, you know, um, hanging out at, Illum at illumination and, you know, talking to Chris Maladondri and doing all this stuff. And, um, while I was there, you know, John was really, uh, demanding in a good way. And, you know, I was like, is this funny enough? Is that, you know, is that animation good enough? And I was like, oh, this, this guy's pushing. This is, this is nice, you know? <laughs> that's just what I'm used to. You, you never know. You go somewhere else and you're like, what's it going to be like? And, and I just remembered it was a good experience. And mm -hmm. after a month, I went back to Disney and um, I didn't really tell them about all this because I don't know. <laughs> but it's my own time and, and I guess it was maybe for the competition, but um, no harm, no foul. And uh, so I went back to Disney and then two years later, I was literally sitting there reading the press release that John Cohen was producing the Angry Birds movie and my phone rang and it said, John Cohen. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really like, people are like, how do you become a director? I was like, I don't know. I, I, crazy. I, 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 I took a chance. I met someone, I tried something new and uh, it turned into two years later an offer to direct a movie. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It is, it is crazy. really crazy. A, a month window of a gap, and yeah, that's yeah. phenomenal. That is very, very cool. Yeah. So the lesson to studios is don't ever let people take a break. <laughs> <laughs> no vacations ever. <laughs> no. I, and it was a thing where you know, like, like I said, I planned to be at Disney for my life. Mm -hmm. um, this was just one thing that I was like, this is a great offer. If I don't take this offer, I don't know if I will ever get an offer again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a big line at Disney. It's not a bad thing. It's just like, there's a lot of great directors and a lot of great movies that are lined up for the next seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. And I was like this, I think I have to do this, mm -hmm. you know? And, and it was a really hard decision. And, you know, I, I cried when I left Disney, like there was a big thing and they made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said, you had almost two decades of your, yeah, your shy. really hard and I loved them and I still love them. And it's like, they're my family, but I was like, I got to go do this. I got to, <sighs> I got to see what it's like and see if I like it and see if I can do it. And, uh, I'm glad I did. Mm -hmm. I, I, no regrets. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, definitely went and saw it. Um, me and uh, my kiddos and, uh, really liked it. It was a lot of fun. The animation was just phenomenal. Um, cool. you know, and that was kind of one of the things I wasn't sure going into the movie when you don't have them, maybe the big budget or as big of a budget as, uh, someone like Disney or Pixar or DreamWorks, you, Kind of always con uh, interesting to see how they'll they'll do it, and 
from the animation to the effects to the lighting, everything else, it, it felt yeah. top notch. So, yeah. 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 And, um, it's funny cause you know, spy did beautiful work. I, I was, you know, when we were talking about studios that could make this movie, we didn't know apparently at the beginning. <laughs> and uh, when I found out that it was spice, Sony pictures, image works, I was overjoyed, you know, cause if it's not <laughs> DreamWorks or Pixar or blue sky or Disney, like, who's going to do like that level of film right, right. and it was image works. And I was like, Oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> I was really so relieved. And then um, I found out that Pete Nash was going to be the animation supervisor. And mm. I was trying to get him to go to Disney when I was there. Uh. Come on over, be a supervisor. Come on. And he was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Then he moved to Vancouver and he's like, I, this is where my hometown. So that I'm, I'm happy. Um, but when I heard it was him, I was just like, Oh my God, this is like, Two in a row. I'm, I'm like, it's all working out, you know? So, so the team was great. And then Danny Dimian was the VFX soup. And um, he wasn't officially on the show, but he tells me that um, over the Christmas break, I wrote him an email. It was like, I really want you to work on the show. And that, that convinced him to stay on. So um, emails are good. <laughs> Asking for what you want is good. But he ended up staying on and, and he was fantastic. And, and really the whole team just, just, overdid it you know they did an amazing job and you know for a movie i think they said the budget at the end was like 73 million or something like that it was incredible and i think a big part of that is just like the the 20 years of doing it from my angle where it's like i didn't want to waste money i knew where to kind of spend the money you know where to put the detail um the feathers were super important to me i think the characters should look high tech and high quality um and that's just it was a design thing over the whole movie where it's like it's a simple shaped character but they should look detailed Mm -hmm. you know it's like you put those two things together and it's somehow special yeah the environments they're stylized but beautiful and Mm -hmm. kind of rendered in a way that was a little soft and pastel-y and so we always looked for like the complex versus the simple and and that i think that helped our production value a lot where it's just really focusing on what matters on screen and yeah, I, I smile when I think about the process because it it's a huge challenge, you know, and, and going from animation supervisor to director, it's a lot of the same decisions and choices and, and calls, but it's just huge. Yeah, much, much bigger so scale. Much bigger, so much bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was there anything during that process that surprised you? Um, each movie's different. Each, yeah, you know, so yeah just, everything's like, different. I just, again, I just go back to the crew and, you know, I, I'm obviously an animator at heart, but just to see the the amount of not just work, but extra work people put in that wasn't asked for, because like I said, people just want to do excellent work. Mm-hmm. You know, animators and artists and technicians and all the people that work on these films, they work yeah. on movies because they love movies and no one's forcing them to. And no one should be forced to because it's hard, you know, it's hard work and it's long hours and um, hopefully it's a good life, but like that's not even guaranteed sometimes. And, and so the people that do the stuff are really dedicated and they really just want to make good work because when their family goes, it's like they can point and say, that's my work on the screen and it's going to be there forever. And when it comes out on DVD, it's like, that's still my work. And and there's just something about it that that, that there's pride in it. And um, I, I was just really, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I was really touched and overjoyed at like how much extra stuff people put in. There's there's background animation going on all the time in this film. It's like really well done. (laughs) Gags that happen that I could like do a DVD commentary like look at this guy over here and that guy over there. But it's like they just they overdid it in such a beautiful way. And I was like, 
sometimes I thought, well, maybe it's just because I'm an animator and they know I'm an animator. I'm one of the one of them, and they want to please me as like, yeah, he's one of us. But I, I think they probably would have done it anyways. They were just such a great crew, and uh, I, I really had a great time working with everybody on that show. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, Sony Pictures Image Works is that completely distinct from Sony Animation? Not completely because it's all the same people. Okay, you know? that's what I guess my question was because yeah. most of the stuff I've seen from uh, Sony Pictures is more of the VFX type. Yeah, Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man the, uh, live action, Legend yeah. Tomorrow, you know, Alice, all that stuff. Right. A lot of the same people cross over, but some okay. don't. Some are strictly like creature, you know, robot it, you know, kind of procedural effects kind of guys. Um, but then there's the character guys, and most of the yeah. people that worked on Angry Birds had come off of like Cloudy together. Right, right. Pete Nash was head of animation on, I think the first, but definitely the second. I'm pretty sure Cloudy. Uh-huh. So, like that whole crew knew him, and they knew how to work with him, and so they were all you know seasoned 2D guys. But there were also a lot of young kids that this was their first film. Okay, and that was cool. You know, it was interesting. Uh-huh. And for me, um, going into this movie, Pete was the only person I knew. Okay. Out of 70 animators, like I didn't know any of these guys. And I, I was like, wow, there's a whole world out there. You know, outside of Disney, there's more animators. And like, of course there are. They're at Pixar and DreamWorks and Disney and Blue Sky. Real effects. But um, my guff. And they're all out there. And, and it was really cool to see like this whole swath of people that I never knew. There's one other animator, Klaus Peterson, who was on the show. He was on Tangled with me, but he left after a month. So I, I, I drove him back to his home country. <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy living up there in Canada? I did. Yeah. Um, so I was on Angry Birds for two and a half years, mm-hmm. which is a pretty quick production. Um, and two of the years I was in Vancouver. So okay. I went, went up in a December and then two Decembers later I moved home. Okay. And it was, it was a great city. I mean, if you're going to be sent away from home and uh, to live somewhere else, like that's a beautiful place to go. Very cool. I really liked it. I lived kind of downtown and uh, I walked to work every day. I didn't want to have to drive anywhere to take the, the, what do they call it? The sky train. Okay. So uh, it was great. It was great. My wife, she, she works at Disney. She still works at Disney. Okay. Okay. That's right. I was at Disney two weeks before I did 19 years before I did. <laughs> um, and so, you know, she stayed here in LA. She lived here in our house. And so we did a lot of commuting back and forth there I'm home almost every weekend or she would come up there. And so it was a lot of traveling. So I, I never quite felt like I settled in up there. Okay. I had an apartment, I had clothes and things, but I, I never felt like a, a full-time resident. Mm-hmm. Even though I was there at least five days a week, most weeks. And, um, but it was great. It was really, really a beautiful city. And I love the weather and the, and the talent there is really nice. It's really um, over the, even the two years I was there, it, you could feel it stabilizing and growing and getting stronger. It's, it's amazing. It's yeah. like whatever the reason, the tax incentive or just the fact that all these studios are within blocks of each other. Um, there's so much talent up there and they kind of shuffle from studio to studio when the projects need that. Uh, but it's, it's amazing. It's, that's great. It is Hollywood North. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was it working with the team there? Um, Rovio and, and kind of working with them to really meet their vision for this movie. It was great. Um, you know, Fergal Riley, I should always mention Fergal. He's the other director uh-huh. and uh, we didn't know each other before this film and we know all the same people. It's so strange, but uh, 
we came together on this film. He's uh, definitely a story camera background and I'm like the animation guy. And then we would both do lighting and effects and design and all that stuff. Um, but it was us. And then we had two producers, John Cohen and Catherine Winder and an executive producer, David Maisel, who had worked at Marvel. He kind of started the whole Thor Hulk era. Oh, okay. And, and you know, he always talks about Iron Man. <laughs> and, and so he was our executive producer. And then the other executive producer was Mikhail Head, who is the guy who runs Rovio, basically. Okay. And he, they're a Finnish company. And so it was really the six people I just named were the creative team. Okay. And the writer, I, it always gets bigger. And the writer, John <laughs> D, obviously. Um, but like that was like the big kind of when we all got together and talked about the movie and figured it out and this needs to happen and that needs, it was just the six of us. Okay. You know, again, so different from what I knew in terms of like Disney where you have the Disney story trust and you have the Pixar brain trust and they all watch these movies together and they go back and forth and they give notes and then you have John Lasseter and it's, it's like a huge thing. And then you have all the story artists and this was like the six of us saying like, what movie are we making? <laughs> it was cool. It was really different and um, fun and being in the room where it happens. And <laughs> it, was, it was cool. And, and uh, to go back to your question, like with Rovio, was, Mikhail was kind of like the, the guy and he's a really creative guy. He's been overseeing all their 2D shorts that they do. They're, they're in the app or on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He's been doing, you know, 70 of those. So he's like, yeah, he's very versed in cartoons and the stuff that they've done. And um, he'd always have a take and, he'd always kind of push us to, you know, make the humor go a little further and <laughs> make a wisdom is like Mikhail. It came out of his head. <laughs> so, um, so it was great. And, and it was never a thing where people were butting heads and like, no, we want to make this movie and no, they want to make that movie. It was just like, everyone's really on the same page. And it was all about like, how do we make, you know, a movie that makes us all laugh and, yeah. and hopefully has emotion and has great energy and action. And, and that was like the big thing where we were all, making the same thing awesome. yeah because that was i think that probably the initial um what made it think that movie interesting was going how are they going to be able to accomplish a full feature movie based upon a puzzle game yeah and one of the things i liked about it is that it did have those things that you're mentioning the story and things that but it still stayed true to the uh the game you know towards yeah. the end where they having to invade the castle and stuff and so yeah i think i think you're able to kind of merge those two very well yeah and when when fergal and i both came on um, they had a script. They had worked out the basic story. They had John V had wrote the script, had written the script. And um, so it was kind of outlined already. It was just a matter of, okay, let's start boarding this. Is it working? Are the jokes working? And so it would always be a matter of iteration, but it's great. Um, that's the, something I learned on Tangled because um, it was such a big task on I'm backing up a few years, but going back to Tangled, it was like we had such a short time and so much to do in terms of building all these characters in this world and figuring out how to animate it all. And I just, <laughs> I learned my process is just put something down on paper and make it better. Okay. Whatever it is, we have to build these crowds. How are we going to do this? Well, we need, you know, men, we need women, we need boys, we need girls. How many of this? And then you just, you just start churning through the work and you don't stop until you're done. And, and <laughs> it seems like a weird thing, but like, it's so easy to kind of like, get overwhelmed by the the massive work that a movie takes. But, you know, with the Angry Birds too, it's just like, all right, what do we need to do? What are the goals? You know, the big thing is like, what, what do we want to say? What do we want to, you know, what, what do you want to come out of this movie with? And, you know, like I said, big action, comedy, uh, some emotion, beautiful animation. Uh-huh. 
like, well, how do we do those things? And then you, you get down to the details of like, okay, these are birds, but they're not birds. They're creatures. They're bird. We always talk about them as bird-like creatures. Okay. What does that mean? And a detail that, that I'm always happy to talk about because it was a bit of an experiment. It's like, what are their arms like? And um, I always felt like like milk calls bird stuff is amazing, but those thin finger feather things are they're a little flimsy to me, you know. And like, if these birds are making fists, it's like, what's that going to look like if they're just like these thin paper feathers? And so, um, you know, I was like, well, what if they're like Oscar the Grouch? You know, and then you put feathers on that. So there's like this furry hand thing, but it's got feathers on the outside. And so I actually took like images of the cookie monster and I drew feathers on his arms. You know, I was like, what do you guys think? And, uh, and there was like, yeah, let's do it. And so it was a cool thing where it's like, you just kind of back them and say, what do we want to say? How do we want to say it? And what's the best way to say it? And you just do it. It's, it, it's cool. It's like, that's being creative and making a movie and trying something different. It's, did you feel like with the time frame that you had and maybe not the, I mean, not the 70 million isn't a, a small budget, but not the Disney budget that you may right. be used to. Did you feel like you were able to be more efficient with what you had? Like I, yeah. I think, I think we, we felt like we had to be efficient, you know? Okay. Um, but at the same time we, we did a lot. I mean, there's probably a hundred and something different birds in the movie. Oh yeah. Um, there's probably, 30 different pigs in the movie. Um, there's two different islands and environments that are completely, you know, yeah. fully figured out and you can like drop a camera anywhere and like film a shot. Yeah. And so it was like a huge amount of um, just, just kind of strategy and planning of like, okay, we need this and we need that. And how do we, <laughs> how do you get the track down before the train gets there? <laughs> Story wise too, of like, you know, we, we kind of blew up the third act very early on when we were boarding and we got there and, and storyboards and we realized it wasn't strong enough. And so we kind of, Fergal and I rewrote that whole thing and plotted it out. And then we worked with the writer and, and you know that, <laughs> but we had to do that and understand like, okay, we need to know what happens so we know what to build and how to design the city to serve mm. the story, you know? So luckily, you know, a lot of movies don't have that. You know, they get the set and they're like, well, we built this. What are you going to do there? And uh. the story around what you have, but we were able to kind of like figure out like long-term, like what the problems were going to be. Okay. And have to look ahead and see that and then, you know, plan accordingly. So it's a big part of it is just like being organized and planning and knowing what you want to do. You okay. Know? I guess that's what I'm getting at because when I looked at the movie, it didn't look like it suffered visually at all, or like I said, even animations, but yeah. I'm going to, how do you do that then on a smaller budget and a smaller time? Yeah. Frame? Yeah. yeah. And, and really like, I can't think of much that we didn't use, you know, I don't think there's any environments we didn't use. Um, there's one sequence. I think it'll be on the DVD of like red and, Chuck having a slap fight. It was, just, it was in the middle with Mighty Eagle. Just his section was just getting a little too long, so we just took that out. Thankfully, it worked. But that's kind of the biggest thing that we lost in the movie, like you know, a couple minutes of animation, which is pretty efficient for most yeah. films. Yeah, know? yeah. So it was, it was all about just like trying not to waste. You know? uh, yeah. Now this waste. looks like it's got some great legs um, on how it's been digitally, at least. Uh, I know on iTunes and stuff like that. I know you yeah. just, it looks like it's done really, really well there too. Yeah, I um, think so. Did that surprise you at all? Coming? No, no. It's funny because you know, I think you go on Rotten Tomatoes and it's like forty-three percent, which is like heartbreaking. You know, <laughs> oh, we didn't get fresh. But 
you know, it's, it's been a learning process, you know, it's, it's with critics and, and right, right. Um, for me, it's like in Fergal too, we talked, talked about this a lot because this is our first film and we were very into like, how does, you know, what's this experience like of getting your movie and it comes out and people get to say whatever they want about it. You know? <laughs> and, and for me, I don't want to speak for Fergal, but like for me, I just kind of realized that like reviewers have a role in this machine, you know, and they need to have an opinion. Either thumbs up or thumbs down. No one wants to read the thumbs middle. You know? It just doesn't make any sense. So it's like you have to support your argument of like this is a good movie or it's not. And and so either you get it or you don't. And and I'm okay with that. You know, right. um, a lot of people got it and they're like, yeah. And some people totally got what we were trying to do. And they're like, they did this and it was funny and it was yeah. and and we're like, okay, at least some people get it. But other people were just like, no, it's not for me. And at the end of the day, it's like, that's the way it is. You know, um, you just do your best and you put your best foot forward. And, and we made a movie that made us laugh and it still makes me laugh. And uh, maybe I just have this strange sense of humor, but it's like, I always, I I heard a a quote from Paul Rudd once and he was like, you know, really I'm a star because 17% of the people like me. (laughs) That's all that, you know, all I can make happy. He's like, I'm fine with that. He's like, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And I think it's true. It's like, you can't make everyone happy. And and again, it goes back to my lessons learned in animation. It's like, if you do what you know to be your best at the time and, and you don't kind of dial it in and, and mess up. And it's like, you got to be happy with the experience and yeah, take it to the next thing and you learn and you're like, all right, we can do better, but this was a good thing. And this was where I was at the time. And, oh yeah. And yeah, we're really happy with the movie and, yeah. uh, and I'm really proud of it. And so is Fergal and we all are. It's just, you know, it's, it's fun. And, and who knew, who knew angry birds, this app could turn into a movie that's actually fun and entertaining. Absolutely. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Very yeah. cool. Okay. So what have you been up to now? You mentioned you've been obviously very busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's so, been keeping you busy now? It's interesting. It's, I mean, we could talk another two hours about like, what, what's it like to go find a job in, <laughs> in the world? Um, but it's, it's, it's really fun. It's weird. Uh, at the end of Angry Birds, it sounds so pompous, but I, I started to think of myself not as an animator, and I always did. It's funny. It's like, I was just like, I'm an animator who's directing a movie. And then a little bit through the second half of the movie, I was like, I'm directing a movie. This is weird. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, it's like, you realize like, okay, you're doing sound design at Skywalker. And it's like, you're, you're fixating on every little detail. Like, how do we make this idea work? How do we make this joke funnier? And we're doing it. The fact that we could do that at that stage, improve the movie as you're mixing, mm-hmm. where it's like, you're not even changing us. You're just like volumes. And you're like, oh, that's funnier. You start to realize you're, at least this is the pompous part. Like I, I started looking at myself as a storyteller versus like animator or director. It's just like, that's my job now. It's weird. That's cool. It's like, I'm a story. We tell stories and this is what, you know, this is my role in the world. And it's like, <laughs> huh? So I'm a storyteller. It's so pompous. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, but it's like, it, 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 it's again, it's like the a way of shifting the way you think about your job and your role. And it's like, when you think of it that way, you, you kind of can back up and, and, just look at the world and kind of take in music and imagery and photography and like, how can all these things help me do what I need to do? Mm. And it, I don't know. It's, it's so like wacky and goofy, goofy, but uh, it was more freeing though. It, it is. It is. And you're like, okay, like how do I communicate with people? Right. Like that's what it is. It's not like, I don't know. 
it's just like a, a weirder, more ethereal way of looking at like communicating and, and connecting to people. Mm-hmm. Not so much about the the ones and zeros and the nuts and bolts of like we cut this frame and that frame. It's like it's more of a feel thing, and um, so that's that's a weird tangent. But um, so <laughs> about a month before the movie came out, um, I actually rolled off at Rovio, and um, and that's kind of when my my external journey started in the world of Hollywood. And uh, it's been about five months now. Okay. It's really cool and fun. And so what, <laughs> what a person like me does, and I've heard Patrick talk about this, Patrick Osborne. Uh, we've had him on the podcast. Dr. John Carr is about this. And it's like you, you go out in the world and, you know, we, we have agents because we've directed a movie. So we're lucky enough to have someone say, yeah, we'll represent them. And agents know everybody. And they said, we're going to send you to Warner Brothers to talk to this producer, or we're going to send you to Westwood to this office where this producer works. And you go and you meet them and, and they say, well, what, who are you? And what do you do? And <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet, but what do you want to do? And, um, and you just talk about yourself and the movies you want to make and, and the stuff that's influenced you. And, and then either <laughs> they like you or they don't. And, and then they'll kind of, the thing I find at, at most places is they'll have like one thing and they'll kind of slide it across the table and be like, check this out, you know, and it's like a comic book or it's a classic piece of literature or something, um, a newspaper article that they bought the rights to. And they're like, what do you think about this? And, and either it's like really fleshed out or they have no idea what to do with it. And they've hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll come in and be like, this is what you do. And, and sometimes it, it sparks and it works and other times it doesn't. And it's like, okay, that's a good try. But for me, what that means is like, I get to, I sit here in my house all day long <laughs> with my dog Chewbacca and, uh, and I, I write pitches and I write stories and I write, you know, this is what I would do with this property or I'm, I'm adapting a screenplay, uh, a, a children's book into a screenplay. I just finished that. Very episode. cool. Like this week, I finished my first draft. That's awesome. And uh, so it's a lot of meeting and, and just connecting with people that want to tell the same stories as you. Uh-huh. That is awesome. And it's great. And it's great. And, and some people you really click with and other people it's like, no, we're not the same. And that's okay. And there's the, the good thing is there's lots of people out there and there's lots of movies. And, and the other thing that I've learned is that, uh, you know, when I was first, even before I started looking, I, you know, they would send me scripts here and there. And I'm like, oh, that's a cool script. And I was busy making the movie at the time. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you see in Variety, this, you know, director is attached to this movie. You're like, wow, that's fast, you know? <laughs> Things come and go, and it's like a train station. You know? <laughs> Hollywood's always going to make a movie next year. And, and you realize that, you know, if you don't get on this train, there's going to be another one. There's another one coming, huh? Yeah, and, and there's so much cool stuff out there and so many cool things people want to make. And it's just a matter of finding one that clicks with what I want to say and that I click with the people that I, you know, want to say it and that we all like each other and want to work together. And, and the good news is too, is there's a lot of good people out there and um, it's exciting. It's, yeah, it's an awesome job. You know, it seems <laughs> <I'm like>, <laughs> go direct a movie. And yeah. um, you know, it seems like this is also an interesting time too, because, you know, as you're mentioning the animation canvas, you know, uh, you were like, it's uh, it was 
pick Disney and DreamWorks and Pixar, and then you're like, well, Blue Sky and Real Effects and McGruff, and, and you're, you're naming all these here. There seems to be this more um, an open canvas here. Um, and then you even look at what Patrick's in the, the VR realm or the, the yeah. shorter stories um, or what Netflix is doing and picking up, uh, oh, shoot, what's the one? Um, Little Prince, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so there just seems like this a lot more of a venue here for that kind of thing. Have you noticed that as well? Is that kind of the arena that you're you're dealing in and enjoying or how's that work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's just so much um potential for content. There there's so many outlets now. And the funny thing is like a lot of studios don't understand animation. Not not as a um a way of storytelling, but like actually making like the production process, okay. you know, so a lot of live action producers kind of throw their hands up. Like, well, we don't know animation. We want to make a film, but we don't know how to do it. You know? So it's very interesting that it's almost a very unique, uh, uh, pipeline. That okay. People know the secrets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but there's thousands of those people. Um, so, so animation is kind of its own thing until everyone understands how to do it. But it's 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 very own. It's not a genre for sure. It's a medium, right? But it's like animation is going to kind of stick with animation until people take chances on it and hire other people to do it for them. You know, unless you're a standalone animation studio. But um, yeah, it's cool because you have your Netflixes and Vimeo has like you know pay-per-view <laughs> yeah there's, there's a lot of outlets in the vr stuff and so there's a lot of people that want to make a lot of content and the fact that animation dominates box office now it's not just like a, a news report every once in a while it's like it's a fact yeah everyone knows it and you'd be a fool not to have animation in your slate um it's a cool thing and it's good for everybody you know yeah. and and the other thing that you know just doing angry birds that i realize and it's really nice it's like we worked with artists all over the world like now today i mean we're doing this over you know the internet and it's like you don't have to be in the same place anymore and we had you know a painter in vietnam and we had a modeler in spain and we had a character designer in brazil and it's like yeah just send the work in we'll be here you know and it's cool that you can work with people that you maybe wouldn't have been able to work with yeah yeah and you can build an amazing virtual studio seems so cheesy to say it but you really can do it and and you can i think it's even every day it's getting easier and better and and you can do amazing things with in a way it's like crowdsourcing yeah it's you know you can do it officially and you can pay people and and there's lots of ways to make movies now yeah yeah um okay here's a question for you yeah. what's been one of your favorite films to work on Whew. Uh, Tangled uh, is just like, we're always going to be proud of that. I think. Okay. Just, like, even if it gets outshined in the future, it was uh-huh. like at the time, it was like we, we did what we set out to do. Okay. Um, it's, it's funny, as far as films I worked on, my favorite film film is Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. Sensibilities. That's I one of my favorites. Movies. I just yes. I love that movie. You know, and just like, it's one of those things where you just feel very fortunate to work on a movie that you just you would go see. You know, uh-huh. you, would pay, you would pay money to go see this movie. <laughs> you know, and then Angry Birds. I just it's a very um, when I say personal, it's not like this is my story, right? But um, there's just so much of me in it, obviously, because I directed it, and it's uh-huh. it's weird. It's weird to to kind of step back and realize you had that much influence over something. Yeah. Um, and it's not like, let me get my fingerprints all over this thing. It's just like, you know, I'm sitting in animation every day, directing shots. And 
And if someone's looking for an idea and I said, well, try this and everyone laughs and they do it. Well, it's like, that's me again on the screen. When <laughs> my wife went and saw it, she kept slapping me because she, she kept she seeing it. She you. She's like, oh, that's so you. That's so you. And she kept hitting my leg during the screenings. So like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it's like, it's cool to, it's like eye-opening to realize like you can, you can kind of have a piece of you out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I never, I had never felt that that much. Gotcha. There's a lot of me in this movie. And it's it's kind of empowering to be like, you know, in a good or bad way. Maybe, maybe there should be less of me in the world. But um, it's like, huh, it just changes your perspective. I'm like, well, I could really, you know, that's that's what directing and movie making and storytelling is about. It's about saying something and, and hopefully making it personal, you know? Was there any, was there any uh, favorite parts from the movie, um, Angry Birds, that you liked that stand out to you? Um, yeah, I, I just really love the performances. Um, I think they did a, an amazing job of, of really kind of taking care to make these characters real and distinct. Um, Red Chuck and Bomb, when they first go to class and they meet each other, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite sequences. Yeah, and yeah. Um, um, just the action in Act 3, just I think <laughs> a lot of the reason is because Fergal and I worked so hard to kind of construct that and the, the, the procedure of it and the process and the, um, the getting from A to Z in that whole Act 3, um, just the build and it was a lot of us sitting with a Google Doc, <laughs> sharing and typing and, and copying and pasting paragraphs and just working out like, okay, this is the progression of that. It's going to build to a, a nice ending. And just the way that all plays out with the humor. And, and that was a big thing where the movie is obviously a comedy, but we didn't want to lose the funny once we got to the action. So it's right. like, okay, how do we tell funny action? And I think you know, we did a good job. Oh, absolutely. It's a challenge and it's fun. And, um, it's, it's such, I don't know, it's a rewarding job, man. It's, it's so cool. I, it's like Ferris Bueller. Uh, I, just say I highly recommend it. That's right. I think it was, uh, Jamal Bradley told me one time he was talking about how, you know, he, people complaining or this and that. He's like, look, you're an animator, you're animating, yeah. you know, yeah. It's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I when I used to do the podcast, people would send me emails and they're like, "Yeah, I only do, you know, animation on on phone apps." I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're, you're you're not digging ditches. This is awesome. Like, don't don't stay there forever. But like, it's good. It's good. You know. Um, no, it's just great. I, and, and like my niece, she's um, twelve years old now, and she's is getting into like acting and creative stuff. And I'm always just like, yes be creative that's that's life that's like so much better than like no offense to accountants but being an accountant you know it's just like i don't know you can say and do so much and and hopefully affect people and even if it's just making people laugh you know that's yeah. that's a great thing but you know when people tell me they cry at angry birds i'm like yes that's, that's cool that's such a an encouraging piece of feedback, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and Fergal and I are always, we're like, we, we got to find a way, you know, and, and not everyone will, but some people do. And it's like the fact that you can touch someone like that and do it through a funny movie. It's, it's really, I don't know. It's just special. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it doesn't have to do with directing. I mean, that's, that's one thing, but it's just like being a part of it and animating and telling stories and doing art and mm-hmm. all of it. It's just like, that's the life, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, any favorite characters you've worked on in your history that you just that stick out to you that you felt like, hey, if I could ever go back and just animate that one again, I'd love mm. to. 
uh rhino in bolt was yeah. was great it was just i've had such a lucky career <laughs> in terms of just working on great things and mark walton he was a storyboard artist at the time he did the voice for it and so you know we would talk about it a lot and kind of like work back and forth on that and you don't always get that with the actors um i just really it was a challenge and it was a funny character and you know i think it was a standout of the movie not, not by anything i did just it was a great character and um and i think it was all these experiences are learning experiences and the thing i took away from that was like i didn't do the best scenes of that character even though i was a supervisor i think hiram osmond who is now the a supervisor on moana he's head of animation on moana right okay. now um like he rocked it and and that is the way it should be i mean you should you should support people to do their best and to kill it and and be okay with it and, and it's like they make you look good and that's really like translates into directing where it's like you need to support these people to do their very best because whatever they do that's awesome makes you look awesome and it's it's this big team thing you right, know right. so um yeah there, there's no there should there's no place for pride in <laughs> you know <laughs> in the animation where it's like when people do great work you just you have to applaud it you know no matter who it is mm. right on um kind of maybe taking a slight detour here i noticed on one of your bios it said something about Frogbot films <laughs> yeah what is can you, that's me that's you're right can you explain some of that here what's what is yeah. that about? well um yeah, I just, it, it's, it's funny. My email since email began was Frogbot. It's always Frogbot. <laughs> and it, it comes from a childhood nickname I had. And I was always like playing with frogs and it's just really embarrassing. But anyhow, uh, yeah, so so my wife and I have decided to start this production company. And the goal is is to make movies, you know, and, and um, it's it, I'm sure it'll take a while to build up. But the idea is, you know, I'd look at people like JJ Abrams with bad robot and like, that's a dream, you know, or it's like, I've never been there. I've never talked to them, but like, you know, I imagine it's like this fantasy land where they're all making TV shows and movies and video <laughs> games, and t-shirts. And it's like working together, living the dream, uh-huh. being creative, working with people you, you love and you want to surround yourself with creatives that can't wait to go to work. Cause they're doing awesome stuff. Yeah. Very cool. That's like the long-term goal of, of what, this production company is going to be but um yeah so now it's just you know a matter of like finding the projects and starting to develop them and and eventually producing films and and it's not a thing where i need to direct everything i I would be happy to work with people that direct their own stuff but uh that's that's the long-term goal very cool that's i wanted to check it out here just to give you a little airtime, but also to hear more about it yeah Well, I will let you go because I know how much family time is. Um, and I, Clay, I really just appreciate the conversation. Like uh, I said you. beforehand, just getting to, uh, coming across you, I'll say not getting to know you, but getting coming across you via the animation podcast. Those are a great, great resource. And so I wanted to thank you to, for doing those, but it was great to get you on the other side of the, the table here. So I really do appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Larry. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Best of luck to you. All right. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>